You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Well, according to some of the information I have, over 20 million people visited North Dakota last year, maybe it was the year before. Perspective, we have about 800,000 people that live here. So one could easily speculate that of that 20 plus million, they're only related to so many because there's only about 800,000. So somebody's doing something to get these people to come to North Dakota, which we'll also talk about this shortly, a state that is not well known, according to Hello North Dakota theme. So one of the people responsible for that and her team, and they just knock it out of the park, and I've had the great pleasure of knowing Sarah for plenty of years, the Director of Tourism and Marketing for the North Dakota Department of Commerce, Sarah Adi Coleman. Sarah, welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. It's great to see you. How are you? Mike, I'm great, and I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. I feel like I've made it now because you have such smart, interesting people on your podcast. So I'm super excited that we get a chance to talk today. Well, thank you for the, the compliment. And I have to pave them all. You know, that, that nobody does that for nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here's, by the way, here's my first question. You've been involved in forms of tourism for over 35 years. And yes, here's my first question. Your colleagues across the country, now in this case, tourism directors associated with tourism or commerce, however they do it in their state, how many of them have the wealth and depth of experience that you have? Well, I'm <clears throat> I'm really lucky to work with um, closely. We have a national council of state tourism directors, so I'm um, know all of them really well, and we share information back and forth. And so, very very lucky to have that organization. But there's a variety, a huge variety. So there's a few of them that have been around um, and have probably have as much experience as I do. Um, there's there's a couple I think that actually started as state directors the same year I did. Well, one in particular, Wyoming. Um, and and there's a few, like I, th I think maybe three that have been there longer than I have. Um, but it, it's interesting because the you know when you look at the makeup of the industry and how many different paths there are to get to that position, everybody has you know everyone's taken a little different path. Um, some like many have actually come from destination marketing organizations or destination management organizations, like I did at the Convention and Visitors Bureau here in Bismarck, and others have come from the corporate side. You know, still others, my counterpart in Minnesota, she came from the Brewers Guild in Minnesota. And wow. so there's just a lot of different paths, I think, to entry. But um, kind of the common denominator is we all really love our state and we love to be able to to strategically plan how to how to elevate the travel and tourism industry and draw more attention and visitors to our to our areas. A question connected to your previous experience at the Bismarck Mandan Convention Visitors Bureau, where you were there for almost 15 years, I think. Have the opportunity not presented itself 
the one that you have today. I mean, you were there long enough to where you were comfortable. Um, you were getting a lot done. You had great team members. Or, you know, it was a great organization. Could you have stayed there? You know, I think that's probably the most interesting part about this type of work. It, you know, it's it, it. There's never two days that are the same ever. There and everything is evolving so much, both in terms of what visitors expect and and offerings and and what's driving visitation, but also the marketing channels and metrics. And you know, that's obviously changed. You know, a thousand percent from when I started in this industry back in you know 1987. So I think part of it is it's just always changing, and so it's never the same day. So. I think you kind of do get that bug and you get that, you know, kind of um, the, the fact that you can make an impact and really feel like there's um, there's some good that you're doing for your community and your state. It's just hard to replicate that, I think, going into like private business or, or another avenue. So, yeah, I think I kind of caught that tourism bug early and, and <laughs> it, it really wasn't anything else that seemed quite as interesting. Geez, you just made me reflect, and this is not why I have you on. I have you on for a variety of reasons, but I moved to Bismarck 85, so I know Bismarck was like 85, 86, 87. So during 1987, the economy was difficult. Uh, ag uh, was a challenge. Interest rates were high. Oil uh, exploration production pretty much shut down for the most part in North Dakota. Um, and it was it was a unique period of time for young people to really be cutting their teeth in industry. And here we are now, a few years later, and you're still knocking out of the park. So congratulations, Sarah. Yeah. That's just awesome. Well, thanks. I started out in convention and meeting and, and event sales, national and, and international. So basically was a road warrior, you know, kind of figured out where where there might be groups that would be willing to come and meet um, in Bismarck Mandan. And and then we also had the largest event ever to meet in the in the cities, which was one of my biggest projects initially, and that was the Women's International Bowling Congress, which attracted more than fifty three thousand bowlers to North Dakota. So that was kind of my first big project management challenge was trying to figure out how we were going to come out of that in the black and keep all of those people happy and enjoyable and have them enjoying the state and having all of our suppliers to, you know, come away from it, um, appreciating, you know, the business and the work that we've done. Is that still the biggest to date? 53? I, I believe that's the biggest because it was over, oh. it was over, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly how many days I didn't think I'd ever forget those stats, but I, I think it was over more than 60 days. So it was during convention week, we had 10,000 in and we couldn't do that anymore. You know, with the, with the, um, uh, the hotel accommodations. I mean, we actually have fewer large hotels now than we did back then. And mm -hmm. airlift isn't even as good as it was back then. And so I, I don't think we, I don't think there's been anything that's come close to that other than, you know, maybe, maybe some events, um, where you can get significant, you know, significant people that drive in for a shorter period of time and don't don't need the accommodations piece. Sarah, one of the reasons I thought it would be so important for people to hear from you is tourism accounts for it. Well, in in the terms of the North Dakota economy, one year the number one contributor might be ag, the next year it might be oil, natural resources, you know, carbon. But number three is almost always 
tourism. That's how significant what you do is to our economy and contribution. Thus, I opened up over 20 million people visited the state last year. Am, am, am I correct when I say that's over 20 million last year? It was, yep. The, actually, it was 2021 was the most recent um, research, economic research we do. We usually do that every other year. So we'll do that again this year. And it was 21.71 million visitors. Yeah. So big, you know, huge numbers. Yeah. I guess we can call that 22, can't we, without being close? close. Yeah. I think we can round it up. <laughs> okay. 22 million. That's a lot of people coming to our state. And I want to kind of circle back to when I said, North Dakota is not well known because the theme this year is hello, North Dakota. And 22 million people visit in 2021, but we're still not that well known. Why is that? For do you th- What are some of the contributing factors for why that might be the case? So there, there's a couple questions in there. So the first one, I want to talk about the number of people first. So that the, the 21.7 million is really interesting to, um, to, to kind of compare that and to break that down. Um, our, our new data that kind of is able to, where we're able to kind of do geolocation tracking shows that about 11 million of that is non-resident. So that's, first of all, that's the first question we get, you know, well, you aren't counting me as a tourist if I'm from Fargo and I'm just going to Bismarck for, you know, a concert or a hockey tournament or whatever. And the answer to that is yes, yes, we are. Because if you didn't come to Bismarck, you might've gone to Detroit Lakes or you might've gone, you know, someplace else. So we count, we count all visitors even though most of our work is focused on attracting non-resident visitors. So, and, and, and then kind of going back to, to your other question, which was now, see, I talked myself in a circle and I can't remember what your original question was. Not well-known. Not well-known. Yes. So we did a, a, a survey last year, a national perception survey, just to find out what people knew about us. And only 22% were familiar with North Dakota which doesn't surprise me and it probably shouldn't surprise anybody who travels at all because if you're you know if you're out and about people say oh you're the first person I've ever met from North Dakota or you're the only state I haven't visited you know I think we've all heard that time and time again and part of it you know there's there there's several reasons for that you know one of them I think is geographic right we are, aren't on the freeway on the way to any major metropolitan you know destinations we aren't you know, we don't have a lot of metropolitan um, cities around us. And and so it's it's a geographic problem. It's also, you know, like you said, we only have 800,000 people. So it's not like we're all out and, you know, bringing back hundreds of friends and relatives or out talking to to as many people as you would if you were in a in a state that had, you know, millions and millions of people. So I think that that's a couple of the reasons. The other reason is that and and uh, honestly, we just haven't done a great job of promoting ourselves. I mean, I think our team does great work. I'm not discounting what we do or the work that we've done, but we haven't spent at the same level to you you buy market share, right? You buy awareness by by advertising. And we have underfunded dramatically the marketing that we've done for the state you know, since, since, you know, tour, the tourism division was, was created since, since we started doing it as a portion of 
DOT when we did the roadmap. And that was all we did. We have not funded it to the level that we really need to um, to kind of create more of that awareness. I was going to, I will say it. What's, what, what do we need to do to help people better appreciate that that investment made has real significant legs? And let me put it this way: I, I, I came, I come from an advertising marketing background. And I understand the importance of some of the old sayings, people go where they're invited. People spend Mm -hmm. their money at places where they're invited to go. Not that you always have to be marketed and advertised to, to make decisions about where you go or where they'll spend money. But in this very competitive world of states marketing for tourists and the dollars that they spend, and we'll get to the other reasons that we're, we're marketing to folks when, when we talk about find the good life. It's a na- na- friendly, nasty kind of competitive space that you're in, and it, it doesn't take long if, if you're driving around to see billboards for Aberdeen, bill for billboard, bill, billboards for Canada. Uh, Minnesota, South, you, you name it, you'll see billboards, you'll hear radio advertising this time of year, you'll see TV ads, and you kind of get buried by the people that you're surrounded by, those states, right? Yeah, we do. And and part of it is because most of the states around us prioritize tourism, you know, high. South Dakota, you know, they, 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 that's their number two industry in South Dakota. They really have prioritized it over the years and highly, highly invest in the marketing. Um, Wyoming, it's the same way, you know, very small state, huge, huge part of their economy um, with their, you know, their national attractions and their national parks. And so part of it is that within our region, they're spending probably more than, you know, more than a lot of states that are even much larger than them, both geographically and population wise. So it makes it harder for us to have that share of voice and to make sure that we're getting, we're getting those people to come up to 94 instead of just cutting across 90 um, because we've got such competition right at, right in our, you know, in our region. So one of the ways where you might compensate for those folks that make decisions regarding your budget and not giving you as much money as you you were, you were hoping, maybe that's a polite way of saying that. You end up teaming up in ways with local uh, convention and visitor bureaus, other public-private partners to get more bang for a buck. Is that a safe way to say that? Yeah, we do. We we um, and part of it, you know, we have we have great um, great research, and we have um, the ability to kind of vet a lot of marketing opportunities. And so we we really try to be that leader and provide an easy button for um, local destinations, whether it's an attraction or or an event. Um, you know, it can be accommodations to really piggyback onto the work that we do. Because we know we're going to have a better result if we're all kind of going after the same target, right? Rather than, you know, peanut butter approach where everybody's spending a little money in 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 a number of different channels or a number of different markets. So one of the first things I did when I when I took this job was we we did our marketing plan early. 
and we presented it to the industry. So we do it and we will be starting to research everything for next year's marketing plan this summer and we'll we'll nail it by October and then we present it to the industry along with cooperative opportunities that allow them to cost share in some things, we'll buy down different things to allow um just a broader reach, you know, whether that's getting influencers in to cover cover stories and and tour the area or whether it's paid advertising campaigns publications whatever that might be even 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 do a few shows you know formal shows where we're actually doing the sales work in person we make all of those available to partners and again because we feel like we just have to work smarter and work together and be aligned to have the best result by the way that is wisdom from the 2018 National Tourism Director of the Year. I, <laughs> I, I had to sneak that in because I remember uh, when you won that. You were was it in Vegas? Is that is that where you were when you were in front of your almost a thousand of your peers and you were recognized? Yeah, it was in. It wasn't in Vegas. It was in um, Arizona. It was in the Phoenix area. So, oh, for, well, from North Dakota in the winter, that's the same thing. Same Vegas thing, right? It, it's <laughs> same <warmer>. neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> You you mentioned um, analytics and data earlier. Is that, or the combination of those two, is that likely the most significant change in the industry in terms of how you go about making decisions and analyzing information? Yeah, yeah, especially on the digital side. You know, as you know, you can get instant instant data on digital marketing, which, you know, before we'd have to wait. And after the after all the campaigns run, then you go back into those markets and you try to find out who is exposed. And, and if you were exposed to this advertising, did it motivate a trip? And then if you came, how much you spent? And so it took a long time to get that information <clears throat> pulled together. Whereas now we know immediately, you know, we may, we may A-B test stuff. We might have some different messaging. We know immediately the results we're getting from you know, from one one creative to another and can can change on the fly and and really um really optimize those budgets um pretty quickly, especially on the digital front. But then too, like you were saying, the uh, like we were talking about the 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 technology with the GPS and being able to, you know, it used to be it used to be cell phones. You know, we were getting all of our data based on people's cell phones. Well, now people are kind of opting out of that, but you've got other data sources like the fact that all new cars come with GPSs in them. And so you can track, you know, human movement that way and really get a feel for what's driving people, um, what's motivating that trip, where they're going when they're when they're in the in the market. And then kind of what like things they like to do. You know, we were we were actually up in the Peace Gardens a couple of weeks ago, and it was really interesting to see the people who go to the Peace Gardens, you know, because there's a lot of great things to do in the Turtle Mountains area. You know, yeah. there's a scenic byway. There's, you know, Lake Metagoshi is fabulous. There's Botna Winter Park in the winter. There's just a lot to do in the Turtle Mountains area. So when you look, when we looked at that data and layered it on where people people went to the Peace Gardens, where else did they go? And it was interesting that the number one was Theodore Roosevelt National Park. 
So that tells you those are longer destination trips where people are hitting the high points, right? They're hitting the national park and then they're hitting the international peace gardens. And, you know, some of the other local attractions were further down that list. But yeah, just that information that we have in real time allows us to dig in and really um, try to make better, smart investments with this with the people's money because we we know that we know that those dollars are you know our tax they're they're generated by the you know by the industry probably we, we generate a lot of taxes by the visitors that come in and pay those taxes but we also know that we're entrusted with those dollars and we want to be really um efficient with them and and transparent with with what we're doing with them and the results we're getting you were if i say this correctly you were appointed by Governor Hovind, correct? Um, yep. Okay. So you worked for Governor Hovind, Governor Dalrymple, and now Governor Burgum. All three very smart, very successful people, uh, you know, crazy successful entrepreneurs. But with regards to data, algorithms, metrics, did Governor Burgum kind of take all of this in terms of departments and heads and did he kind of take it to a whole new level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, his his um his interests and in really, you know, drilling down and and you know, pr- precision, you know, looking at precisely what is motivating and how can we expand and build has been really really fun and interesting um you know and and, and overall too, I you know, I you know, I say that we don't have enough money and I get that everybody says that. But at the same time, part of the reason I think that we haven't invested is that people don't necessarily understand what we have to sell and offer, right? And and even North Dakotans don't always appreciate what we have here. Governor Burgum does, right? I mean, he 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 appreciates everything that we have, whether that's a sunflower field or whether that's you know a brand new attraction someplace, and so I think that's been that's been been really fun and it's helped us um, you know kind of open more more eyes as to the potential and the possibility not only on the marketing front but the development side. I wasn't going to ask this question, but you just made me think about when you went from Botno to Theodore Roosevelt, Medora, one of the most unique destination place, in my opinion, maybe in the country. Are you aware of another outdoor amphitheater setting and with, with such um, incredible, you know, setting and backdrop? All Are you aware of any other destination that every year there is a, a musical, there's a play, there's performances? There is there something like Medora somewhere else? You know, I'm not aware of anything exactly like Medora, where it's got the consistent offerings. You know, there are those other amphitheaters that do different music festivals. And of course, there's the Red Rocks and, you know, some of those those places. But I'm not I'm not familiar with anything that does, you know, consistent nightly shows um, that celebrates, you know, the local the local culture and the local history, which is what really makes it unique. It's not like they're just bringing in acts from, from anywhere. They're really telling the story of North Dakota. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, there, there are other places with outdoor venues and settings, but in terms of the layers of choices and options between 
you know, one of the greatest golf courses maybe in the country. You can ride horses. You can you can do the Madahe, you pitch pork fondue. You can do all of that pretty much in one place for all practical purposes. And then just see world-class entertainers. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely special. We're, 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 we're lucky to have it. And it's been remarkable to see how they've expanded their offerings and, and we'll continue to do so in the coming years as we gear up for the presidential library. Yeah. So I'm going to read, I think this is an overview of what you do. And if I butcher it, correct me, but I'm going to use this to tee up something with regards to the population of the state and find the good life. You oversee state marketing, strategic direction, and performance, including workforce recruitment to support the commerce mission, Uh, tourism division administration vision goals, including talent and business attraction. I kind of butchered that, but that's that's what Sarah Adi Coleman and your team, that's what you do. The Up until just a few years ago, the most significant population in our state's history was back in 1930, 1933, something like that. You know, it would go up and down a little bit and we'd have ebbs and flows, um, but it never changed really significantly until about... 2018, 1920, when the consistency of oil exploration production, and just say natural resources, was such a magnet for job opportunities for people really all over the world that all of a sudden, you know, we're we're approaching 800,000. Maybe we're over 800,000 now. I'm not sure. Still not huge, but uh, far more significant than the 680,000 back in 1930. So our population has increased, but we still have this great need, as do other states we compete with, but we have this great need for finding talent for a variety of reasons. Thus, we have this campaign, I think we're in the fourth year, maybe fifth, you correct me if I'm wrong, called Find the Good Life. Under your leadership, that was rolled out. Share with us um, kind of why that happened, how it's changed over time, and what what are the goals in terms of hits activity and what you want people to do with Find the Good Life campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we started it back, like you said, in the oil boom days, and it was really started as a... um, it was almost a private initiative where we had donors who donated and matched state dollars um, to kind of launch this marketing campaign to try and get, you know, people to come in and take some of those jobs. And it that's when, we, when kind of the brand was built, we built the brand and, and, you know, did some research and kind of um, found what, what our unique, you know, competitive advantages were and how we were going to be able to attract these folks. We targeted certain types of, of people and, and it was successful. Um, to a point, it it we 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 filled a lot of jobs. We um, we were able to uh, raise the awareness and elevate you know elevate the the awareness that we had jobs. But what you have to remember is back then there were a lot of places that didn't have <clears throat> jobs. So there was there was um, we saw significant 
numbers of people moving in from Michigan as they were laying off manufacturing. Um, you know, definitely some of the Rust Belt states um, were gravitating. And what we found was a lot of those people didn't necessarily come for the right reasons. They maybe came because they thought they could make a lot of money quick. And and that's what a lot of them did. They came and it wasn't possibly it wasn't a great fit for them long term. And so they came, they got out of debt, and then they went back home. And that is not what we wanted this for this next round. And and so the the we 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 knew that we needed to do something more. And we never we never got rid of the marketing per se. I mean, the, the website continued. We didn't fund a ton of paid advertising to it, but we kept the kept the resource up there, right? So so that people could, you know, continue to learn more about North Dakota and our potential career and job opportunities and our great lifestyle. And so then as you fast forward to the fact that the whole country is fighting for talent now. And we've, we we probably were ahead of that curve, of, you know, a year or two, I would say, ahead of others. Um, so we had a little bit of a jump on and plus we had all the experience that we had garnered from the previous iteration. And so this this next next version of it really is more about creating the right match. So we want the people that we're attracting to really find a place that they're going to feel comfortable putting down roots in and staying. So the the environment is not just marketing. It it really is trying to determine what are your interests? You know, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Do you want to live in a city? Do you want to live in a rural area? You know, what are what are your priorities? Do you have children? Is is education important? Is outdoor recreation important? What 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 does your perfect life look like? And then from from there, we ask these questions and are able to funnel people down through this kind of sales funnel and connect them to a community champion um, where they will hopefully, you know, connect and determine if that community is the right fit for them to move to. So we have, um, we, we have, and not everybody's going to do that. Like, like Sarah would not do that. Like I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a lone person. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't fill out the research and want to talk to somebody. I would do it on my own. So it's the benefits are both. We're getting the people who are coming through the funnel and that are wanting that more concierge service to try and introduce them to a community and help them engage in the community. But we also are doing the broader marketing. So we're getting, you know, millions of video views and millions of impressions, you know, just for the state and and the quality of life that we offer. And the real beauty between you know marketing both to it's both consumer marketing and and although there are there are obviously deeper things that that you need to communicate in order to um, encourage an actual move as opposed to a visit, there's so much synergy between why people would come to visit versus why they would move. Mm-hmm. And also, you think about our recent research with people who have transferred their driver's licenses to North Dakota licenses, you know, 76% of those people visited before they moved, which kind of seems even low to me. But when you think about, you know, most people would want to visit, but there's just such great synergy between the two. So we're really leveraging, you know, kind of both of those markets. We want to, the people who are thinking about it. We want to get them here for a trip so that we can show them why a, a more permanent, um, a permanent move might make sense. And, and the people that, um, I know the people that are visiting here, we want to kind of tease the idea that, Hey, maybe you should check out a career opportunity while you're visiting. 
So that whole process that you just detailed, does it start with a, a visit to the website? Yeah, it really does. It really starts with the marketing, which drives them to the website. And then once they get on the Find a Good Life website, um, there's there's a, a relocation help desk that they can click on. And then it just asks them a couple questions. And then we kind of just drip drip a few questions on them here and there to try and get them engaged and, and pulled into that kind of um, environment where we can work with them one-on-one to really try and help them find a good location for them. Is that the name of the the URL, findagoodlife.com? Um, yep, I think it's it might be findagoodlifeinnorthdakota.com. I should know that, right? I should too. <laughs> <laughs> so while, while you're looking for that, here's my next question. Where I, I like how you said that you're in terms of a, a sales marketing approach, you're dripping information on them. So it's all permission. It's permission marketing. They're asking, yep. Yep. they've asked for permission to receive information. Do you need more community champions? Are there enough community champions to help with this process? We would love more community champions just because we don't want to burn people out, you know? Um, and we think that when, because we did get a significant amount of money to, to augment this program going into this next biennium. So where we had just kind of cobbled together some dollars that for the last biennium, um, we will have significantly more marketing dollars. So we're expecting those numbers will increase. So yeah, if anybody is interested, they could reach out um, to us at the Department of Commerce. We just actually hired a new um, relocation uh, manager. So her name is also Sarah. So um, we will we will have a person that, that they can contact or they can just reach out to me. And the website is findagoodlife.com. There you go. Well, you put me down as a community champion. I, I would love to, to help. I love North Dakota. Well, here I am, uh, 69 in about four weeks. I'm still here, right? I, and I'm not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. I do leave for a couple months in the winter, but that's you know that's a whole another story for another time. When you or your team, because maybe you're not as involved because you have plenty of other things to do. So when your team is connecting with this person that has an interest, even before they get to a community champion, what are some of the most common questions, if you know? Um, that they have about North Dakota. And if they haven't been here before, what are some of the most common reasons that they've never been to North Dakota, if you know? Yeah, I would say some of the some of the most common, you know, questions would be like you had referenced earlier, the winters. They're concerned and curious about how you know, do we really live up to our winter reputation? And we always, we normally said no, but then last year we had to go and live up to it. So, <laughs> but it so that, memorable. that, I know exactly. So, you know, I think it's really answering, answering those kind of questions. Um, a lot of times, once you get them to, to engage, they have specific interests. So um, we have a lot of people who are really love outdoor recreation, right? Because we've, we, you know, that that's the number one reason people visit the state too, is for our outdoor recreation opportunities. And so a lot of those will be really specific questions to, you know, to whether it's mountain biking or hunting or fishing and where they can do that and what the access is like. Um, and then I think there's a lot of community 
amenity questions. You know what, you know, okay, if I, if I look at a community of this size, am I going to be able to, you know, am I going to be able to get a good cup of coffee and where am I going to go for, you know, for entertainment and, and those kind of things. And so that's why it's really important too, for our community champions to really understand the whole region, because especially if you're looking at a rural area, you know, you don't have to have everything right in your community because a lot of times these people are coming from metropolitan areas are used to driving 20 minutes for anything. So they can go to the next town, you know, to get this or that. And so a lot of it's kind of about that, that collaboration, but, mm. but yeah, the, the workforce development team is, is the ones who actually work um, directly with that relocation desk. So the find a good life campaign is a combination of, I mean, it's both the tourism and marketing team. And then we work with the workforce development team on that. Let me address weather for a second. And, and maybe it's because it's North Dakota that we have the, the weather question come up. And maybe it's our own fault. We bring it up too much. I don't know. Here's all I know about weather. Unless you've assumed room temperature, there's going to be weather in your life. And it's how you deal with it, I think, that's more important. Here's one thing I thank the good Lord for multiple times a day that I live here. I live here in a place where it is pretty darn safe. I have access, as does my family, to world-class healthcare, incredible education. Opportunities are endless. I can go out and run every morning, even when it's 30 below, by the way, and I can get my noon walk-in most, most months of the year. And in the winter, I can put enough clothing on to be comfortable. In the summer, I can do the opposite, wear enough or less to be comfortable. But I've been in places where I'll go out for my morning run and then in shower, and I'm still sweating half an hour later because it's so humid. It's so warm. I have friends that are can't get out of Arizona fast enough when it starts to get to be April and May, because all of a sudden it's already almost a hundred degrees. Yeah. There's weather everywhere. Exactly. <clears throat> but very, and any place that has perfect weather, here's what you're going to deal with. It's probably going to be too expensive for you because everything there is expensive or they don't want you there. I mean, that's just, just, just the way it is. Yeah. Weather is one of those things you have to decide how you personally are going to deal with it. It's my my point is you can deal with it and there are really good healthy ways to deal with it. Exactly. And I I think you know one thing that we we haven't talked about is you know we're 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 in North Dakota we don't brag a lot. We don't we don't talk. We don't there's not enough of you, Mike. There's not enough people like you who really want to get out and talk about how great it is here. And and I think part of that's our cultural, you know, cultural backgrounds. And we just, you know, we aren't like a bunch of Italians who are talking about how great it is all the time. We're more conservative and right. <laughs> They're more conservative and we don't tend to boast on, but it really impacts our own self-image. And one of the things that I was, you know, there's there's not a lot great about the pandemic, but one good thing about, about the pandemic is it did allow us to do some in-state marketing in North Dakota. Normally our, you know, our 
the bulk of what we do is to try to attract new revenue, the, you know, $3 billion that visitors spend. We want new money because that's, you know, economic development. That's what we do. But it, during the pandemic, we felt it was really important for people to understand what they could do right here. They aren't going to travel very far. There was definitely, it was, you know, we wanted to keep people's spirits up. We wanted them to understand, you know, that that there were safe things that they could do and see. And so we did an in-state campaign, both a summer one and a winter one for the first time ever. And I really think that helped elevate people's appreciation for the state. You know, you don't want to necessarily market in the state to improve our own self-image, but essentially it it did do that. I mean, it obviously it helped people um, discover the state and and traveled in the state more than when they had. But it also really, you know, oh gosh, I didn't know that we had that or I had I hadn't thought about doing that. We usually do this. And so I think part of it too, and, and and I think weather's the same way. I think we're our own, I definitely agree with you. We're we're our own worst enemy with that. You know, you'll have somebody new that will move in and somebody will say, oh, geez, how'd you survive this winter? It was a tough one, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, we don't need to say that. I don't I don't know why we're so programmed to do that, but we do. You know, here's something I, I don't understand. And maybe it's because I've been running since 1975. I don't know why people spend so much time complaining about something other than if you're going to go indoors or outdoors and put different clothing on. I don't know why people would spend so much time and getting really energetic about how they complain about the weather because there's <laughs> nothing you can do about the weather, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, and, and that's just that's just me. But you, yeah. well, so you brought, you brought up COVID and the pandemic. You guys turned on a dime. What, what was it, if you, if you wouldn't mind revisiting that a little bit, what was it like to turn on a dime with your team and redirect how you were going about the daily approach to your work. Yeah, we did. You know, we 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 went home and 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 started operating from our home offices and didn't miss a beat. And that was on, on top of the fact that we not only kind of pivoted how we were marketing the state and 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 you know kind of showcasing safe opportunities, but but our team also really did a lot of the work with um, with the communications because we have strong communications people. So obviously they were very involved in all the pandemic communications. And we we were also very involved in the ND Smart Restart program because so much of the travel and tourism industry was impacted dramatically from the from the pandemic. And you know, we were, we're very lucky. We weren't we weren't closed nearly as long as a lot of places were, but there were some you know, some entities that were impacted pretty dramatically. And and not only did we, you know, we, we had our team doing grants and setting up grant programs. And, you know, I think we adjudicated almost $100 million in grants that went out to businesses to help keep them afloat during that time. And, you know, at the end of the day, we came out, you know, I think I think really well. We we retained, you know, just about all of our businesses. There were a few hotels, a few attractions that that didn't survive, but for the most part, most of them did. We don't quite have the our spending back to pre-pandemic levels. We're we're really close, and we're close in most areas. I think we'll I think we'll see that this summer. Now with the final barriers at the Canadian borders coming down, we'll see more of those Canadians um, return to their normal travel patterns. And then, 
just got back from a global marketing um, event, and we're hearing that you know the the pent up demand from all of our visitors who are so intrigued with the Great American West are going to be starting to come and and increase numbers again from from Europe and across the world. That that Canadian hit was big, wasn't it? That was significant. It was. You know, we're still at only about seventy five percent right as of last month. We were still at about seventy five percent of normal. So yeah, and it's, you know, taken a few years to get that. And a lot of that is, you know, people, I think, you know, people are surprised like that we get more visitors or more trips than South Dakota does. But part of that is Canadians. A lot of it's Canadians. We're very, very dependent on on them and they love to come down. And so, yeah, it was kind of been a frustrating few months waiting for those last barriers to come down. So we're excited. We're excited to see them in this summer. Sarah, you're really good at what you do. You work really hard. Are you good at, you know, you have this incredible family. You have agriculture in your family, which is a whole nother type of, uh, let's say, well, you're in your family, you contribute in either the number one or number two uh, economic driver for the state agriculture, and then number three, uh, tourism. Do you are you good at shutting down, spending time with the family? Because I mean, you work really hard, a lot of hours. Do you are you able to take enough breaks to spend just great quality time with your family? I'm not great at that, Mike. I think you probably know that about me. But I, you know, it's kind of interesting. You, I'm empty nester now, and and the, the kids are all gone. And you think that okay, once that happens, I'll have all this time. But the problem is. You aren't busy, you know, you don't have them pulling you to tournaments and all these other activities. And so, so yeah, we, um, we, we, we work a little too hard, both on the farm and, and, um, and sometimes in the, in the office and on the computer, Mm -hmm. but we're going to get better at that. Last year, I said, I'm going to start golfing again. And I didn't get a ton of rounds in, but I got way more rounds than I had the previous 10 years. So um, we're going to keep building on that. We're going to get the boat out more this summer and we've got big plans. Good for you. So you have UND and NDSU blood in your household. I think starting with you and your husband, even maybe one's a UND grad, one's NDSU and same with your kids. Has there ever been blood drawn? (laughs) Oh, no, it hasn't gotten that bad. Um, It it is fun though. It's always fun to have those rival rivalries going on. I was the first, um, First one to go to UND. My mom and dad met at NDSU, and and my brother and sister went to NDSU. So I was kind of the first one to to venture north. And we laugh that Chloe, that the smart girls, my daughter went to to UND in grad school there too. So I think the 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 big joke was the you know the first time I went to went to um, a game, and not that we hadn't been on multiple games before, but when the boys were at NDSU, I said that the shirt was a little bit itchy, but I kind of got used to it, and it was <laughs> it was all good. It's a fun game. <laughs> Sarah, if you could have any tool or resource or a combination of tools and resources at your disposal to help North Dakota achieve you know, maximum return on uh, investment and influence when it comes to your responsibilities in, uh, with regards to being the director of tourism and marketing for the North Dakota Department of Commerce and your whole whole team. What would that tool or combination of tools and resources be 
that could help you do an even more effective job? Well, I think we got one of those tools this this legislative session. So for the first time, we we were um, given dollars to help develop or significant dollars. We've had smaller amounts, but significant dollars to help develop more of those magnet attractions that will drive and and really create the trips to come into North Dakota. So, you know, I, I feel like you need to work on both, both the supply and the demand side, right? The marketing is a demand, but we also need to continue to evolve our offerings and, and enhance and expand offerings. You know, people want, want new and exciting things to do. And again, that not only helps drive visitors, but it also helps attract talent and, and people because they, you know, if you live here, you want to do stuff too, right? You want to, want to be, be, um, be active and, and have let plenty of opportunities. So, we um we we were given twenty five million dollars to an, a destination development grant program that we are going we're in the process of of it should go online um, that the overview of it should go online here in the next couple of days and then we'll have the grant applications that'll open in, on June or July first and so we're really excited to see what kind of great project proposals come in um, for those for those grants and hopefully we can see. You know, my goal is we can see some great, great new attractions and offerings that people will see such a huge benefit in terms of of the the quality of life and and their their ability to kind of elevate that we'll continue to do more of that going forward. I should have asked you this question earlier. When find the good life was originated, and it was largely funded by private the private sector because they're the ones that needed a lot of help yep. and they still need help but it's also now part of your responsibilities for lack of a better way to say it does during the session do you do they give you enough money to do what you'd like to do with find a good life well, the the governor had proposed twenty five million, and we ended up at about half that. Okay. So, um, and then we'll split that. Like I said, half of it will go into kind of the architecture and some of the other specific programs, and then the other half will go into the marketing. So, I, I think we can. I think we can do some really exciting things with that. Um, we're we're we've started some strategic planning. We're we're going to continue that over the next month or so, and we'll build out what those what those programs might look like. So, yeah, I I, I think we've gotten a great start, and you know, you want to you want to be able to show success. So so that's the goal. We will we will invest those dollars in in hopefully really smart and strategic programming that will be able to show great results next mm-hmm. session, and then we can determine if a higher investment is warranted. Well, you are a great spokesperson. So I think the more opportunities you have, and maybe you have a lot of them, I'm not even sure, to be honest with you, to be on radio talk shows or podcasts where those things have legs of their own. Once they're done, you can push them out and and keep pushing them out, right? Uh, You're a great spokesperson. The more you can do in that space, it would be great. let me ask you this question. <clears throat> Find the good life. This, When this podcast gets pushed out, I'm going to make a point of kind of emphasizing that because the need is so, uh, yep. it's so, it's so important. It's critical. What's the, what's the one thing you want people 
to do when they're whether they're in Alabama, they're in Missouri, they're in Texas, they're in California. You know, they're, they they may be in some of these places that people are starting to move away from for a variety of reasons. What's the one thing you want them to know about North Dakota and why they should go to findthegoodlife.com? I think the one thing they need to know about is the fact that we have just about anything and everything that they would want to do here in the state. Maybe not in every single community, but people underestimate the variety and and the and the offerings that we have for a quality of life. And I th- also think people are really looking for community right now. And you know, part of the part of the Hello campaign that we developed this year is really around the fact that we're welcoming and and our communities are are really open and people are are fantastic guests and and open to sharing. And so I think people are really looking for communities. And I think they're going to find that here in North Dakota. So I would say open your mind, do some research, and and don't just discount it thinking you know, because you probably don't know much about North Dakota and and you can we we'd love to we'd love to help you learn. Absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much for taking time to join me. And by the way, thank you for what you do. It is um it's a big responsibility, and you, you, uh, you and your team just do a great job. Appreciate you very much, and uh, I'm looking forward to having this podcast pushed out and having these, you know, legions of people start going to findthegoodlife.com and say, "Is that Mike Seminary really a community champion?" I'm kidding. We'll sign you up. We All we right. can do that. We can do yeah. that. Anything else you want folks to know, Sarah? No, other than I'd plug ndtourism.com too, because there's a unbelievable variety of itinerary ideas and suggestions. Um, if you don't have a lot of time to plan, um, go on there and you'll be able to find just a step-by-step ideas on on how to spend a weekend, a day, or a week. I'm going to ask you one to do one other thing. I mentioned I kind of threw it aside pitchfork fondue. You probably should tell people what that is. Probably should. So visualize a pitchfork, you know, just like in, you know, the old, the old, old McDonald, right? He's holding the pitchfork, um, an actual pitchfork with, um, you know, 10, 10, 12 ounce ribeyes steak that go into a large, large fondue pot and cooks those, cooks those steaks instantly, sears them. Um, they are, they're cooked quickly and it's not greasy. You'd think of it, you know, you'd think of it as being really greasy or oily, but they, they cook so fast. They don't absorb that oil. And it's just really fun to, to go out and watch them, um, plunge those great big steaks in and, and see them come out and, and um, enjoy one with that in the with the beautiful Badland, Badlands views right right off of the amphitheater um, in Medora. It is a great eating experience. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. You have a, you have a good one. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Thanks.